Morning, everybody. Thank you. And by everybody, I mean not only everybody that's here with me at our Banks Mill location, but everybody that's joining us at our West and Ridge campuses, as well as those of you who are joining us online. I am glad you're here wherever here happens to be for you today. Now, as you can see, we are wrapping up this Easter season series of messages called Hope. And for the last month, we have been wrestling together as a church with this idea, this concept of hope. Not only what hope is, but more importantly, where does it come from and how can we have it in our lives? And the answers to those questions we have found in this theme verse for our series from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. It's there on the top of your outline. Since this is the last Sunday, here's what I want to do. I want to read it together. Out loud, all of our campuses with enthusiasm. So here we go. 1 Peter 1.3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You catch that? Do you see where our hope comes from? It comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And last week, we gathered as a church family to celebrate with much joy the resurrection. And as a part of that celebration, we, we celebrated with nearly 30 people who professed their hope in Christ through baptism. And I just, I'm telling you, I've been here 20 years. It was one of the most exciting Easter Sundays we've ever had, at least in my viewpoint. Yeah, it was a great day of celebration and as a part of that Easter celebration I shared with you three reasons why we can live in hope in light of the resurrection three reasons why the resurrection gives us hope it's because our our past is forgiven our present has a purpose, and our future is secure in eternity. That's what the resurrection does for us. That's what God did for us that first Easter Sunday morning. Now today, to wrap it all up, I want to switch gears and talk about what we need to do to keep walking in that hope. Because having hope and walking in hope are two very different things. Having hope is passive. It's just receiving what God has done for you. But walking in hope requires action. It's something we have to do to keep walking in that hope that God has given us. Here's why I say that. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews 10.23. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now I want you to take your pen and I want you to circle those first two words, let us. Let us hold on to the hope. Let us hold it firmly. Because see, having hope is just believing that God is holding on to you. 
Walking in hope is holding on to God when it feels like he's let go of you. Let me say that again. Having hope is just choosing to believe that God is holding on to you. But walking in that hope is holding on to God when it feels like he's let go of you. It's easy to feel hopeful in the Easter Sunday moments of life. The question is, can you walk in hope in the Monday morning moments of life? In the difficulties, in the struggle, when you don't feel hopeful, can you keep walking in hope? And this morning, I want to share with you three practical ways to keep walking in hope. Three things you got to do from God's Word and quite honestly from my own personal journey that are essential to walking in hope. And then you're going to have an opportunity this morning to hear from some folks who walk in hope every day in a place where hope is in short supply. And it's going to be a great morning. I'm glad you're a part of it. You might want to write these three things down because there's a day coming when you're going to need to hold on to the hope that God has provided through the resurrection. To do that, first thing you got to do, stay connected. To keep walking in hope, you got to stay connected to other believers. You got to stay connected in your relationship to Jesus because hope walking ain't a solo sport. I don't care how strong you are, how long you've been a believer, how mature you think you are as a Christian, you cannot walk in hope alone. You need others. It's sort of like taking a log out of the fire. Those of you that camp or you have a fire pit in your backyard, you know what happens. If you separate that log from the other logs, if you take it out of the fire and set it over by itself, it may burn for a little while, but it's very quickly going out. And that's what happens to your hope when you separate, when you isolate from others. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible is it doesn't just tell us what to do, but it tells us how to do it. Because when the writer of Hebrews says, hold on to hope, right there in verse 23, I want you to look at the very next thing he says in verse 24 and 25. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. That's how you hold on to hope. That's how you walk in hope when you don't feel hopeful. See, this is not just some religious rule to follow. This isn't just go to church because church is the right thing to do. This is great advice to having hope. According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, one of the leading risk factors for suicide, the ultimate expression of hopelessness. One of the leading risk factors is isolation. Separating, disconnecting socially, relationally from others. Now hear me, I'm not saying if you don't show up at church or get in a home group that you're going to end up taking your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is the more disconnected you are from others, the harder it's going to be for you to walk in hope. 
That's why God designed the church the way that he did. That it's not just some organization. It's not just some religious, you know, system. It is a family. A group of people who connect with each other and do life together. Why? Because we need each other to walk in hope. That's why 59 different times in the New Testament alone, 59 different times we are commanded to be connected in community, doing life and loving and caring and walking with each other. Why? Because we need it to keep hope alive. So let me just ask you, how connected are you right now? How connected are you to other believers? How connected are you to this family of faith that God has placed you in? You need to understand, it's not just showing up on Sunday mornings. You can come to church every Sunday. You can go to home group every week and still be isolated if you don't open up, if you don't reach out, if you don't allow yourself to be just a little more vulnerable than you really want to be in order to have people walk with you through life's journey. I'm begging you, I'm begging you this morning, if you are here and you're hurting and you feel isolated and lonely and you feel like nobody cares what you're feeling, or nobody understands what you're feeling. Please don't leave here today disconnected. Reach out. I know it doesn't, you don't feel like it. You don't think you could. You don't think anybody will care. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Don't you listen to Satan. You listen to Jesus who said, I have put you in my family. You belong. You matter. I care. But you got to reach out. Whatever campus you're on, even if you're home alone, reach out, connect. This is an amazing family of people, just hurting, broken, messed up people who have decided we are not going to walk alone. We will link arms and we will stumble towards Jesus together. To have hope, you got to stay connected, but it doesn't end there. There's a second thing you have to do. You have to be persistent. To keep walking in hope, you have to be persistent. Because hope and persistency are two sides of the same coin. Hope helps us be persistent to keep going. But persistency also helps us find hope. Let me see if I can help you understand. That, you know, I've had a lot of trouble this week just trying to Understand how to communicate what I feel like God is saying here. And it, maybe this will help you. See, most of us think of giving up as a symptom of hopelessness. We give up because we've lost hope. But you also need to understand that giving up is a cause of hopelessness. Because when you give up, you are walking away from hope. Let me try to say it this way. The more persistent I am, the more hope I have. The more persistent I am, the more hope I have. Here's why I say this. The Apostle Paul, now this is a guy who knew something about being persistent through difficulties. 
This is a guy from the moment Jesus changed his life, walked through struggles and difficulties and persecution and health issues. He dealt with all of this, and yet look at what he writes in Romans 12, 12. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I want you to notice he lumps all three of those things together as if they are the same. Notice he doesn't say, be joyful in hope so that you can be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. He's saying these all go together. What I mean is being patient in affliction and being faithful in prayer is being joyful in hope. Persistence isn't the result of hope. It's the route to hope. What I'm saying is don't wait until you feel hopeful to keep going. Keep going so that you will feel hopeful. I have a friend of mine whose son is currently through hiking the Appalachian Trail. A 3,000 mile footpath through the wilderness that goes from Springer Mountain in Georgia to Katahdin Mountain all the way in Maine. Imagine taking a 3,000 mile hike. It takes four to six months at a minimum. Most of all of us sitting in here will be like, no way I could do that. And yet every year, hundreds of people complete that hike of all different, from 60, 70 years old, blind people have done it, people with artificial limbs have done it. How do they do it? They put one foot in front of the other, day in and day out. They don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I got 2,998 miles to go. They don't look at the end of the journey. They wake up and say, what do I got to do today? How far do I have to walk today? Interestingly, the vast majority of people who quit the AT trail do so in the first couple of weeks. Early on in the journey, what happens is the longer people keep hiking, The more days and weeks and months the string together, the further along, the more persistent they are, the more hope they have that they can finish the journey. Same thing's true in your life. Don't think about how far the goal is. Don't think about how far you got to go. Just say, I will be persistent today. I'll put one foot in front of the other. I'll do what I need to do to get through the day. Because when you get through the day and day and day, all of a sudden, hope is restored in your life. Walking in hope means staying connected to other believers. It means being persistent. And then number three, you got to share it with others. To walk in hope, you got to be willing to share that hope with others. See, that's what you need to understand about hope. Hope's a lot like love. The more you give it away, the more of it you have. Why? Because hope is a gift from God. And like all of God's gifts, he gives them to us not just for our own benefit, but to impact and make a difference in the lives of others. That's why notice what the Bible says, 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Share it with others. But there's a couple things you got to notice about this passage. First of all, what is it we are to give to others? 
Does it say we are to give hope to others? Is that what it says? No. It says we are to give the what? The reason for the hope we have. And what is the reason for the hope we have? He has a name. His name is Jesus. We share Jesus with them. Let me tell you something. You cannot give hope to another person. Believe me, I've tried. You cannot give people hope. But what you can do is to share the reason for your hope. To share who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. Second thing I want you to notice about that passage is, who do we give it to? Who do we give the reason to? Everybody? No, that's not what it says. It says everybody who what? Everybody who asks. Why in the world would somebody ask you to give the reason for the hope that's in you? Because they've seen it. They've seen it in your lives. When you live in it, when you walk in hope, when you don't feel it. When you keep putting one foot in front of the other and trusting Jesus more than your circumstances, people notice. Because let me tell you, people around us are desperate for hope. Our community, our nation, this world, people are desperate for hope. And when they see it in somebody else, they are drawn to it like a moth to a flame. And here's the cool thing. When you start sharing the hope of Jesus with others, it increases your hope. Look at Romans 15, 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can overflow with something is to be filled with it. Every day, every day, you walk by and maybe if you're paying attention, you look into the eyes of somebody who is holding on by a very thin thread. Somebody who is desperate for hope. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you live in his hope, then you can walk in his hope by sharing it with others. And let me tell you something. From my own personal experience, over these last seven and a half months. Some days the only hope I have to get through the day is an opportunity to see God bringing hope to others through our family struggle. That's giving hope away to have hope to keep moving forward. It brings hope when you give hope away. So who are you going to share that with this week? Who are you going to take the time to listen to instead of talking over? Who are you going to share the time with to, to demonstrate that you care about them and their struggles? That's sharing hope, and that's what gives you hope. But as a church family, we, we also have an opportunity to, to share the hope of Jesus with people on the other side of the world. And this morning, I'm so excited to give you an opportunity to hear from some folks who are giving their lives every day to sharing a message of hope with a people and a place where hope 
is in short supply. So would you join me this morning in giving a big, warm Cedar Creek welcome to our global peace partners, Steve and Anna McDaniel from Guatemala. And as they're, as they're heading up here this morning, just let you know if you're not familiar with this ministry, this partner, uh, they're a part of uh, Living Water Adopt-A-Child an amazing ministry that feeds physically and spiritually thousands of children all across the, the country of Guatemala. And Steve and Anna are the directors there, and we've been partnered with them for years. And I just want to give you an opportunity to hear a little bit from them about their hope journey. And so, you know, we've been talking... We've been talking for a month, but you've heard us talk today about hope. And I know hope is a vital part of both your ministry, but it's also a vital part for you, your team, and your staff to keep walking every day in difficult places, in difficult ways. So just share a little bit about hope and the ministry and what's happening in Guatemala. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Good morning uh, for giving us the honor, uh, Pastor Philip and Terry. Uh, it's amazing to me, you know, we pastor many churches in Guatemala and it's amazing to me uh, to see how you guys can do this twice every Sunday. <laughs> but anyway, I can even remember, after my coffee, I can even remember what I ate for breakfast today. Um, I just um, want to give an honor when where honor is, and um, it is an honor for me uh, to have uh, friends like Pastor Philip and Miss Terry, and uh, just to see them uh, going through this journey, and and see them uh, uh, their hope uh, through Jesus and their hope to to see others uh, come to the Lord, and um, I just really. Uh, wanted to say uh, you have wonderful pastors. I, I love pastors and their wives uh, because we are pastors. And, um, and I know uh, it is not an easy uh, thing to do sometimes, uh, but uh, I see how they walk, how they're walking uh, uh, this this time, how they have been through uh, this hard time, as you have seen them. We have been praying for them. We have been praying for you as a church. Um, and I just wanted to take this time uh, to tell you two, it is an honor uh, to be here with you once again. Uh, we love you both. And we, the people in Guatemala, have been praying and still praying for the two of you. Thank you. And thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being part in our lives um, to bring the gospel uh, to my people in Guatemala. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to tell you, Philip. Yeah. We're going to clap for Anna. <laughs> thank you for sending Caitlin yes. uh, to serve with us. And uh, it was a blessing to have her with us as well. And I echo everything Anna said, but I use my time to say this. You're talking about hope and hopelessness. And I live amongst the people that uh, really find themselves in a, in a difficult spot. They, they've lost hope. Mm. 
Many of the people that I serve with uh, are leaving uh, Guatemala uh, because they're hopeless. And they really believe that they've been abandoned by their government. They've been abandoned. Uh, some of them would even say, maybe I've been abandoned by God. God is only found in the United States. So millions of them. Uh, and from our ministry, it's personal for us because these people have names. The caravans aren't just nameless uh, mobs of people that are tra traversing Mexico on their way to the United States searching for a hope. Uh, and I would just say that Jesus is our hope. And Jesus, uh, God didn't make a mistake by birthing them in Guatemala. So we work with our people to help them to find hope right where they're at. That they can, they can know that God loves them. He didn't make an error and say, oh man, I made a mistake and you were born in Quiche. Yeah. No, he knew exactly where they were supposed to be. And if I could frame real quickly for you what I see hope amongst our people. It's personal. Oh, I met a, a lady not long ago. You send teams down. Thank you for coming on teams, guys. Thank you for coming, Todd, for leading those teams, and for Philip for trusting us to send the teams down. You've got more teams coming. Thank you. Uh, they bring hope. They bring hope to our people. And we were on a, a visit with some folks, and a lady was there. She was 83 years old, and I was meeting with her. A 26-year-old daughter who has the mind of a four-year-old that was, that was just uh, blessed to see her sponsor. And as I was getting ready to close the meeting with this lady, both of them are named Maria, mother, a grandmother and uh, the granddaughter. And she said, I have one request for you, Pastor, before you leave. And she said, and I said, sure, tell me. And she said, oh, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> And she's 83. And so I, I, I said, yeah. And she said, and I have to walk with my granddaughter. And for some of you that have been, you understand what I'm speaking about. But some of you that haven't been to Guatemala where we're working, it's a very mountainous area. Many of our children walk up to two hours to get a meal. And this grandmother, 83 years old, you know, you're talking about going through the, the, the Smokies yeah. and doing the trail. Well, Every day that her granddaughter makes the trek to go to our feeding program, she, this 83-year-old grandmother, walks with her because she can't walk alone. And she said, I have one request. She said, you know, when I get there, I, I feel like I need a little boost of energy. She said, do you think maybe you could give me one tortilla when I get there with my granddaughter? You know, she didn't ask for a meal. She asked for one tortilla perspective. And I looked at her and a million thoughts going through my mind and I just said, uh, we're about to form a new ministry here to the elderly. But I said, I said, no, I won't give you a tortilla. I'll give you a full meal and I'll give you all the tortillas you want every time you come yeah. to our program with your granddaughter. And so we started, the Lord shared with me in an instant, Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 37. It says, I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. So hope for this lady was to come to the feeding program and get a tortilla. But God always gives us much more than what we, what we ask for when we ask for the right motives. And, you know, so we've started a new ministry in Guatemala now that we're, we're working with the elderly. Uh, one of the most overlooked segments of society. Uh, the elderly and the little children, the most vulnerable. And we're feeding grandmothers and grandfathers in Guatemala wow. based on that one encounter yeah, with that lady. Awesome. And you help us do that. Yeah. yeah. And you're a part of that. Uh, every time you give to Cedar Creek Church, a part of that goes 
to sponsor that, but you can also take another step. You can actually sponsor a child in Guatemala. And what I love about... And a grandmother, by the way. And a grandmother now, that's right. But one of the things I love about the way your program works is that it's a personal relationship with the kids you sponsor. You know, sometimes I wonder, these types of organizations, how many refrigerators that one really cute kid (laughs) is on to raise funds. But with you guys, it's a relationship. You get to write letters to them. We've loved getting letters back from from our uh, Manuel, David, and just, it's been awesome. So if you've not done that, and you may be considering doing that, uh, just check out their website. I think we have it. It's www.adoptachild.com, and you can find out more information there. But you can also go and serve. We have two teams going down, uh, one this, three teams, one this summer and then two in the fall. One is a student team. Our students have been going down there for years and love it. But we have two teams that are going. One is a construction team and one is a well drilling team and so uh, if you're the least bit interested just uh, take out your Cedar Creek Church app uh, and hit the outreach uh, tab there or go to our website and just click on the outreach tab and I would encourage you if you have any interest at all fill out the application I know that freaks you out but just filling out the application is not you committing to go It's just expressing to our global outreach office that you're interested. You have some more questions. So if you'd like to know more uh, about that, check out the website. Talk to your campus pastor, your home group leader, uh, because we have seen God do amazing things through this partnership. And it's become not just a partnership between two organizations. It's become a personal relationship between two families. And we love y'all. Cedar Creek Church family loves y'all. And so I'm going to close this morning. If it's okay with y'all, I'm just going to be praying for them. So if you guys would just come up here and let me lay my hands on you and begin to pray for you. And you would join me at all of our campuses. You be voicing a prayer for Steve and Anna and for the thousands of people they bring hope to every day. Oh, Lord, I do thank you that you are the God of hope. A hope that transcends temporary circumstances. A hope that transcends our emotions and how we feel in the moment. But a hope that is grounded in you and your unchanging truth. The truth of your word demonstrated through the reality of your resurrection from the dead. And so I pray for Steve and Anna, for their family, for their team, for all of their staff. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with hope so that they might overflow. Lord, I pray you give them the strength to keep walking when they feel like they can't take another step. Father, will you fill them with hope when their hearts are broken by the size and the scope of the needs around them? Would you keep pouring your hope into them? Will you draw them close to yourself? And would they recognize today that this family called Cedar Creek Church walks with them, prays for them, and rejoices with them. Oh, we love you, Lord. We look forward to celebrating one day in heaven with kids from Quiche and elderly people from Guatemala and from all over the world, every tribe 
every tongue, every nation singing your praises, Lord. We are blessed to be a part of your global kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.